when I was a real young kid, my family went to Disney World, and uh, all week long, my dad was trying to get me to go on Space Mountain. How many of you guys have been on Space Mountain? Just raise your hand real quick. A lot of you guys, all right. So Space Mountain is an indoor roller coaster, okay? And I wasn't really thrilled about going on an indoor roller coaster. And so my dad's trying to get me all week to go on this roller coaster, and I kept just saying, nah, nah, I don't really want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And then the last day that we were there, I kind of got a little bold because I thought that Space Mountain was in the park that we were not in. And so I started, you know, talking a big game. I was like, you know, Dad, uh, if we were in the park where Space Mountain was, I'd totally go on that ride today, man. I'd be all about it. I would own that thing, you know. i kind of start mocking mocking it like Space Mountain, more like Lame Mountain, you know, like talking a big talk. And he eventually goes, "Uh, Doug, uh, Space Mountain's actually in the park that we're in today. And would you like to go try it out? And I kind of just changed my tune real quickly. I was like, well, if the hypothesis is equal to the hyperbole, then the perpendicular angles, no, I'm scared to death. Like, I don't want anything to do with Space Mountain. And, and I regret that, you know? I regret that being a kid, here's what I did. I looked at something bigger than me, and instead of facing it, I ran from it. And I think we do that all the time. There are things in our lives, fears in our lives, that instead of facing them, We run from them. Instead of experiencing something awesome, we shrink back in fear. And that's what I want to talk with you about tonight. You see, because the Bible tells us over 100 times to fear not, but we're better at getting caught in fear knots, aren't we? Knots made of our fears and our worries and our stress and our anxiety. And so often in life, we see something big, and maybe God puts a vision in our heart for something big. Maybe we have just an idea or a thought or, or just something that we see, a goal that we want to meet down the line, and there's just something big in the way. And because of our fear not, we shrink back and we miss out. What do some of these look like? Well, maybe for you, uh, God's called you to go to college, but there are some things that you just feel are in your way. Maybe something called social anxieties in your way. You're thinking, I don't do well in crowds. And college is like one big crowd. I don't know that I can conquer that. Maybe some of you guys are thinking about how you're close with Jesus right now. And you're afraid if you go off to college away from sort of your network or your Christian bubble here, that maybe you'll get taken down some paths you shouldn't be on. Maybe some of you guys are worried about just the finances. You haven't even applied just because you're looking at the tuition bill and you're going, there's no way I can handle that. And so that's us maybe looking at something God's called some of us to, and we're shrinking back because of the fears. Maybe God's shared some, or called some of us, rather, to share our faith. God wants us to open our mouths and be bold and share our faith with some people, but we, because of fear, have stepped back from that, you know? Like, maybe you're just fearful that you're, you're, you know yourself and yet you're not perfect, and so that's ruling you out from sharing your faith. Or maybe you know that sometimes people ask difficult questions about God, right? You know, sometimes they'll ask about, like, the Trinity, you know, or why bad things happen to good people, or the most, you know, important question of all, why did Han Solo even go out on that bridge, right? Like, Lord, certainly you saw that coming. Couldn't you have warned us about that, right? And so sometimes we just rule ourselves out because we feel like I don't have the answers to these difficult questions. And so that's us, again, looking at a fear and saying, I don't really think I'm going to follow through with that. Maybe for some of us, it's a certain sin struggle. Like, there's a certain sin battle that we've had in our lives, and we know that God is calling us to take a step to get rid of that thing in our life. He's calling us to take a step closer to him, nearer to him, further away from the sin in our life. But we've just been fearful, fearful that maybe that sin is just too strong or fearful that maybe it's just too comfortable or fearful that the cost would be too great to take a step toward Jesus and a step away from that sin in our lives. Maybe it's a fight for a relationship. You know God is put on your heart. Fight for this relationship. Fight for it. 
and you're just going, man, it just seems so difficult. It seems so hard to forgive. I don't know how I'm going to get past this. And so instead of facing those fears, we run from them. And the reason that is such a big deal, the reason that is such a big problem is because our fear knots keep us from seeing how big God is. That's what we need to understand tonight. That, that literally every fear we have is an invitation to see how big God is. It's an, it's an invitation for us to, to look at it and say, okay, that's really big, but God is bigger. So often what we do is, is we forget the God is bigger part and we just go, that's really big. I just want you to think tonight, maybe I mentioned your fear or not, maybe I haven't. What thing that is bigger than you is causing you to fear instead of trust? What thing that is bigger than you is causing you to run instead of trust God and see how much bigger he is? See, God is like on the edge with us. And here we are, we could jump off in trust, we could sit back in fear. And God is on the edge. And man, I promise you, he is, he is like cheering us on. Take the leap, take the jump. Come on, God is there. He's like crying out to us, you've got this, trust me, it's okay, I've got you. I'm big enough. Don't fear. Don't worry. Don't sit back. And I think so often we just sit back in our fear knots and we're stuck and we're caught in our fear knots. And our fear knots keep us from seeing how big God is. Some of us are going, man, I just wish God would show me how big he is. And God's going, I just wish they'd trust me so I could show them how big I am. I wish they would just take the steps that I'm calling them to take. So what is that thing in your life? I want you to just think about that right now. What is the thing or what are the things in your life that you're just looking at and you're afraid of and you've been shrinking back? If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is something you can relate to also, right? Some of you guys, you're going, man, I, 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 this is my everyday life. I, I live here. I live just shrinking back. I live in like running away from the things that I wish were different, the things that I wish could change in my life, the things I wish I could finally conquer. Well, what if God is desiring for you to take a step toward him today as well? And I've been saying this through the whole series. I think one of the greatest fears that we can have in life is about standing before God one day. Like, what do you do with that, right? Do, do, you, do you really bank it on your own ability to perform your way into God's approval? Well, see, here's, I have some great, great news for you tonight is that I'm not afraid to stand before God, but it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with something that Jesus did for me and for you that can eliminate that fear about standing before him one day. And so we're going to talk about all of this here tonight because God wants you to see how big he is. And fear doesn't trust very well. Sometimes God says, hey, trust me. Take a step toward me. I have something big. I want to show you how big I am. Fear does not trust well. Fear recoils, right? And so we're going to continue to talk about Joshua tonight. And so far, here's what we've seen. We've basically just been hanging out in Joshua chapter 1 for the last several weeks, seeing God have this conversation with Joshua. And the conversation has gone like this. Joshua, Moses is dead. You're my man now. I'm going to have you finish the job of leading a million plus people with all their kids and stuff and gear into the promised land that I have for them. And God keeps saying a very similar thing to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Well, why would he have to tell Joshua this over and over again? Because Joshua must have been tempted to shrink back in fear. He must have been tempted to not be all that excited about these steps that God had for him to take. 
But here is God encouraging him. And now tonight, we're going to come in on the tail end of that conversation. And we're going to then see Joshua's response. And we're going to see how this all plays out. So we're going to kind of jump through the book of Joshua a little bit and catch up on some of the outcomes of Joshua's response to God. So verse 9 of Joshua 1, God's still talking to Joshua. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. little side note, I want to encourage everybody here to memorize this verse. Because this verse is going to come in handy more often than you would realize. Powerful verse just to get in your heart. But here is God saying the same thing to Joshua again. Hey, Joshua, be strong and courageous. That's three times in four verses God says that phrase. Because he knew something about Joshua. Joshua could have been tempted to shrink back in fear. And listen, he would have missed out on how big God was had he done that. You know, if I could interview Joshua here on the stage tonight, you know what Joshua would tell every one of you? I am so glad I didn't give in to my fear knots. I am so glad that I trusted God, no matter how crazy the plan seemed, as we're going to see here tonight, no matter how bigger these things were than I am, I'm so glad that I trusted God. And I got to see how big he really was. So, Joshua has heard, hey, be strong, courageous. He's heard, hey, don't be afraid. I am with you wherever you go. And I love Joshua's response. Look at verses 10 and 11. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. I love Joshua's reaction here. You know what his reaction is? All right, God, you and I just had this conversation. I'm in. I'm in. You told me not to fear. You told me to be strong, courageous. I'm in. You know why I think Joshua could say that? Because of what we've already seen in this series. He knew that God was with him. And he knew that he had God's word to navigate this journey that he was going to be on, which is what we've seen these last two weeks. And so he says, I'm in. I'm ready to go. And this is so important for us because so often we don't have this response, right? God says, okay, I want you to apply for college, but God, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. I want you to apply for college. Yeah, but I'm afraid of my social anxiety. I'm afraid I'm going to get off the wrong path. God says, hey, I want you to share your faith, but God, you don't know me. I'm a mess. I don't have all the answers to all the questions. God says, hey, I want you to tackle with my strength this sin battle, but God, it's going to be too difficult. It's going to be too hard. I'm too comfortable where I am. And we forget, hey, God isn't just with us, but he's in us. And we forget we have his word to navigate successfully all that God's called us to. Man, if we can only be more like Joshua and say, all right, I'm in. This is way bigger than me, God, but I'm in. And so let's see the results that Joshua enjoys because he doesn't get caught in his fear knots. So Joshua chapter three, we're gonna look at three stories, quick stories here tonight and see the results of what Joshua can enjoy here because he's trusted God. Joshua 3, seven says, and the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I'm with you as I was with Moses. So God is about to do something really big. He's about to show everybody that Joshua is his boy and that God's got his back and he's going to lead him forward. But here's what is so important. Before God does that, please hear me on this. Before God does that, he is going to require Joshua to take a step of faith. He's going to require Joshua to trust him. And see, here's where I think we find ourselves. I think we find ourselves saying, all right, God, show me that you're with me so I can trust you. And you know what I think God says to us so often? Trust me 
so that I can show you that I'm with you. We always want the with me part first. Now, God is with you. In fact, he's in you, like we talked about in week one. But so often, where you and I stumble is he's calling us deeper. He's calling us further. He wants us to take a step to trust him. And we're waiting back. All right, God, give me a sign. Show me what you have first. He's going, no, trust me so I can show you that I'm actually with you. Verse eight, this is what Joshua needs to trust God with. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, this is not at all what Joshua was expecting God to say. You know why? Because Moses just raised his hand by the Red Sea and it parted. I'm thinking Joshua was like, you know, in this conversation, a little cocky, like, all right, we got this. You know, I'm just going to stand on the edge. I'm going to put up my arm and the seas will, or the river will split. And we're going to cross through and be good to go. But God kind of changes the plan here a little bit. He says, okay, I want you to tell the priest, actually get in the water before it splits. Take a step of faith here. Trust me. I know you want the water to split before you step in, but I'm telling you to get in the water in faith before it splits. And I just wonder what Joshua's thoughts were. Like, Lord, I know these priests, man, and I, I just, because of all that they've been through and how they've led us so well, I just got them some Steph Curry Under Armour sandals, custom. Lord, they're not going to want to get those wet. I'm telling you right now. I just wonder what was going through his mind. Like, I got to convince these priests to get in the water. They're carrying the ark and convince them that I'm not crazy and that the Lord has spoken and that the sea's actually going to split here. And so often, again, this, this, is our, this is our struggle. Will I trust God? He's calling me to take a step. The river is still flowing. What do I do? Not only was it flowing, but verse 15. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Guess what time of year it was? Harvest. And so the water that God led them to was at its deepest, its widest, and its fastest. You ever felt like that in life? It's like not only is God calling me to do something I don't really feel comfortable doing, but it feels like the, the river is running by faster than I've ever seen it. It's deeper and it's wider than I've ever seen it. And now God calls me to jump in. You couldn't have called me to jump in when it was like drought season, Lord. You had to wait for the harvest. And Joshua has a choice to make. Is he going to trust God here? God's saying, hey, just trust me. Trust me and watch what I will do. Let's see what happens. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark and reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, so the water from upstream stopped flowing. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And God has shown that he is with them. They trusted him. And he showed them that he can still split the waters. And they can get across on dry ground just like God had promised. Now here's the thing. I think so often... Many of us are standing at the edge of the Jordan rivers of our lives and we're trying to figure out how we're going to get ourselves across. I'm going to swim this thing. I'm going to kayak this thing. I'm going to motorboat across this thing. And what do we end up doing? Getting swept away. We're drowning in our Jordan River. And God is saying, how about you just step in it like I asked you to and you watch me split the river for you. And let me just encourage you about something here because I think this is where often we get ourselves in trouble as Christians. I think so often it's like God called us to the Jordan River and he wants to split the Jordan 
And instead of going to the Jordan and we go to the Nile and we stand on the side and we're like, open, part. And God's going, I didn't call you to part the Nile River. I called you to to part the, the Jordan. Be on the path I called you to be on. So, and what that means for you is don't decide if God hasn't called you to go to college that you need to go to college and now demand, hey, split my river, Lord. It's going, you're over on the Nile. I've called you to the Jordan. Be where I've called you to be, and then I'll split the rivers that are in your way. I mean, Joshua could have gone right back to the Red Sea and tried to split it again. That thing wouldn't open. That's not where God called him. God called him to the Jordan. So be on the path God has for you. How do you do that? That's what we talked about last week. Let his word be on your mind, your lips, and your feet, directing every single step you take, and you're going to bump into the will of God. You're going to bump into the Jordan, and then God gets to split it for you. And so be on the right path. Don't misuse the promises of Scripture to try to make it split your own rivers that God's not even calling you to be a part of. And so let me ask you this question. What river in your life do you need God to split? What thing that he's called you to? Are you standing there going, I don't know how to get across this thing. I'm going to drown in this thing myself. God, split this for me. What river in your life do you need God to split? Let's look at another awesome thing that happened to Joshua. And this maybe isn't as apparent right up front, so we're going to talk about why this is so powerful. But let's look at a few chapters ahead, Joshua 5, verse 11. They've been journeying through toward the promised land. Look what it says. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. They were no longer, there was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. Now who cares? Like, well, what is all that about? Why is that so important? This is so important because for 40 years, hear me on that, 40 years, the Israelites have walked through a desert and God has miraculously provided food for them every single day. You've never experienced this in your life, probably. You've probably never gone to bed and said, I don't know what I'm going to eat tomorrow, right? Maybe some of us in the room, but most of us probably have not. You know, I mean, we may be a little annoyed there's not like Dr. Pepper in the pantry already for us. Like, honey, you didn't go go shopping? Come on. But we've never gotten up to a house that was completely barren. We were not going to be able to get any food, and we had to trust God. No super stop and shop around, no Target around, no 7-Eleven to get one of those morphs of like steak and sausage and cheese and pretzel and a Twinkie all in one thing. Don't feel guilty if you eat that. No, actually do feel guilty if you eat that on the other hand. None of that around. No CVS. Can't go pick up some certs, right? I mean, nothing. You're in the middle of a desert, and God's got to provide manna. So for 40 years, that's what the Israelites are experiencing, the provision of God in an unbelievable way. Now listen, they enter the promised land, and the day they eat the produce from the land that God had for them, the very next day, manna's not there. What does that tell you? That guy is an incredible provider. He can provide the manna for the 40 years, and then as soon as he brings the next provision, the manna goes away because he's got a new way to take care of you and for me. And so my question for you is, what manna or what provision do you need from God right now? Again, this is not us presuming on God, like, Lord, I really need that house in the Caymans, right? No, it's, Lord, here's my need. Would you provide I need this. I need your provision in my life. I need you to direct me. I just wonder, guys, what provision we've missed out on because we were just so overwhelmed by what was in front of us, the need that we just ran. 
and we try to do things our own way. And we all know this is true. Usually, when we run from a financial situation, when we run from what God would have us do in that time, and we try to just make it work ourselves, we get ourselves in much worse debt, don't we? A much deeper debt. But here we are, and God's saying, hey, I want to provide for you, for your needs, for the things I've called you to, for the rivers that I want to split for you, and then the provision I have for you on the other side, I'm going to provide that for you. And so if you're here today, I want you to stop running from God if that's what you've been doing. If you're here today going, I'm just going to figure this out, I'm going to micromanage, I'm going to do all that I have to do with my finances. Hey, be smart with your finances. Absolutely, be wise, be a good steward. But there are some times where we are just so overwhelmed that we need God to show up and do the impossible. My wife and I have been really blessed throughout the years. We've had some incredibly generous family have helped us purchase a home and and some of our cars. I mean, just incredible, incredible generosity. But there are still times where things get really tight and things are tough. And here's what I can tell you. I can tell you that time and time again, Kelly and I have spent an extended season in prayer, just going, God, please provide. God, please provide. Now, let me say this. This whole principle is incredibly abused by lots of Christians out there. This is not name it and claim it. This is not, hey, get what God owes you. God doesn't owe you anything. But God loves you, and he longs to provide for you. And so Kelly and I have sought God for our needs, not just for our desires and wants, but for our needs. And God has come through over and over and over again. It doesn't even make sense half the time. There have been times we've asked God for specific number of amounts to pay off debt or to to be able to uh, take care of a need within our home, something that's broken, something that we can't repair ourselves. And God, to the dollar amount, has provided that. And God, we're nobody special, you know? I mean, like, God loves you in the same way he loves me. And his desire is to provide for you and care for you in the same way he has for me. And I just wonder how many river splittings we've missed, how many provisions we've missed. Because instead of trusting God, we've run from him at the times of our greatest need. And so what provision do you need from God? How do you need him to come through in your financial life? Last little story that we're going to see here today is in Joshua chapter 6. And maybe some of you recognize the name of the city that the Israelites when they passed through the Jordan, it says that they came up across from Jericho. In Joshua 6, we see this awesome and powerful and and kind of famous story here. In verse 1, it says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. So everybody knows the Israelites are coming, and they don't want to give up their land. So they got the bars up, and they got everybody out there ready to fight, ready to go. No one went out, and no one came in. I love this. This is great. This is God's sense of humor. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. Really, Lord? Because it seems kind of big and tall, and like there's a huge wall, and it's all barred up, and nobody's coming in, and no one going out. It doesn't really feel like you've given it into my hands. But he says, look, I've given it into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. And then we get this brilliant military strategy from God. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Surely, Lord, this is, this is not plan A right? You've got something else. You're just warming me up, all right? You, this is like that whole Abraham thing. Put Isaac on the altar, but you got something else coming here, right? You're not really calling us to just march around the city. March around the city. Verse 4, have seven priests carried trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. I just wonder what Joshua was thinking. 
I know what I would have been thinking. Lord, that whole like river splitting thing was really cool. And I've really appreciated the manna from heaven and like the new food in Canaan's great. But I'm done. I don't want any part of this. Because this plan is just straight up crazy. But what will Joshua do? What will you and I do when there's a huge wall in front of us and we don't know how to get around it? And I just wonder what was going through everybody's minds because you had the people marching around the city. I wonder what was going through the Israelites' minds. Like Joshua's finally lost it. He's crazy. Are we really going to still keep following him? I wonder what the people inside the city were thinking. I actually think it probably was a little bit creepy and eerie for them to just see these people walking around their city walls and then go home and come back the next day and like, back again you know, and do this for like six days just in silence. And I can slightly relate to the fear that the people in Jericho may have been feeling because we play this certain softball team. We're actually playing them tomorrow if you want to begin praying and fasting that we have victory. Um, but they're a really great team, and their team gets really excited for the game. They're all excited. They're slapping five, and they, you know, they put their hands in, and they're all screaming on, on three the name of their church. And we're over there just like goofing off, being silly. But, but they're real intense. But the thing that scares me the most is not them yelling and shouting. It's actually this female fan that they have that dresses up in a full bear costume. <laughs> and she comes, and she just stands on the sideline. She doesn't say anything. She doesn't do any backflips or anything. She just creepily watches the game and just walks kind of back and forth. And she even gets in at the end of the game when you're, like, high-fiving everybody. You're like, hey, man, great catch, good pitch, you're here, great job. And you're like, did I just high-five a bear? <laughs> like, what's going on right now? And so I can slightly understand, like, the creepy, eerie feeling that maybe the people in Jericho had. But let's look at the outcome here in verse 20. When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Let's skip down to verse 24. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. Now, this is really important. Because some of us are going, wait, 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 all right. So the walls fell down because the people marched around it and shouted. No, the walls fell down because God called the people to march around and shout, and then he made the walls fall down. It was his plan. And can we just all agree for a second that no way any day Joshua would have come up with this plan, right? And this is the problem with so many of us, and when we get into our fear knots and we see the big wall in front of us, is we try to tackle it with our own wisdom and our own plans, and that's just not what's going to work. I mean, Joshua and his team could have gone in there, oh, Lord of the Rings, and tried to battering ram the walls down, flaming arrows, Gandalf coming down the mountain. I mean, it could have been the whole deal. But that was not God's plan. It wouldn't have worked. It would have failed. God says, hey, march around. And I just wonder, in our lives, what walls need to come crumbling down, and what is God calling us to do? Some of us know. Some of us know. Some of us who need to fight for a relationship, and there's this huge wall between us and a person, and God is saying, humble yourself Humble yourself, apologize, don't hang on to this anger and resentment, humble yourself. Some of us know God's called us to apply for college when we run. Some of us know God has called us not to apply and to get a job and stop playing Xbox all day, right? What has God called you to do? Because doing it his way is the way that it'll work and it'll be successful. Now, I understand we have some incredibly wise people, some smart 
intellectual minds in the room. And I understand this 2016, and we hear a story like that, and we go, man, Gandalf might as well have been involved, because come on, people marching around a wall and it all falling down? How am I supposed to buy this? Come on. Well, thankfully, we have four guys who over the last hundred years have excavated the walls of Jericho. They've, they've excavated this archaeological site. Let me spend a couple minutes on this just so you'll walk out of here knowing that you can take this seriously. The first thing they saw was that just like the Bible says, there was this outer wall, then there was actually housing, and then another wall. If you read the story of Rahab that Joshua wrote, that's exactly what he said was there. A large wall, some housing, that's where Rahab lived, and then a second wall. And so they confirm that. The next thing they confirm, and this is so important, is that this wall did not just deteriorate over time. You know, here we are. These guys um, excavated this starting in the early 1900s. So for thousands of years, the walls of Jericho could have just deteriorated and fallen. But these experts have all determined and agreed that these walls did not deteriorate over time. They came down in a heartbeat like that. One of them, his last name is Garstang, says this. As to the main fact then, what's the main fact? Did the walls crumble in a heartbeat or, or did they deteriorate? There remains no doubt. The walls fell outward so completely the attackers would be able to clamber up and over the ruins of the city. And that's what we just read. The walls fell down and out and basically made a ramp for the Israelite army to be able to run up on and into the city. Another thing that they found, which lines up with what we read in verse 24, is that the city was burned. There's still a thick layer of soot that's there over the city, the buildings, the, the, the walls, all the bricks. Uh, one of the archaeologists' last name was Kenyon. He said this, The destruction was complete. Walls and floors were blackened or reddened by fire, and every room was filled with fallen bricks. I actually have a friend who was there. I mean, not when the walls fell. <laughs> He's really old. No. Uh, I actually have a friend who went and got to see the walls of Jericho and got to touch the charred brick. Because it was down an instant, burned just like scripture said. And you can still see those remains today. And so you can take this seriously. You can be smart and trust in the Bible. But I just wonder what wall crumblings we've missed in our lives because of fear. Because when God was calling us to, to attack that fear, instead of run away from it, we ran anyway. Or maybe we went ahead and tried to attack that fear, but we didn't do it the way God called us to do it. He called us to walk around seven times, or he called us to do whatever it was, get into the the river before it parted, or whatever it would be, but we've tried to do things our own way. So what is God calling you to do? What is the next step? Because here's the thing, on our best day, on your best day and mine, as smart as we could be, smartest person in this room, way smarter than me, the end of the day, we all only have our natural plans, right? But God's got his supernatural plans. Don't let that word supernatural freak you out. It just means more than natural. You and I, we're stuck with natural. That's all we can do in this life. But God does the supernatural. He does the more than natural. And so his plans are going to be so much better than ours. And Joshua never would have ever come up with this plan. Just like you and I may not come up with the plans that God has for our life. The plans that he has to get us over the wall or make that wall crumble right before us. And so what crumbled walls do you need in your life? 
And maybe do you already know what God's been calling you to do? Do you know what steps he's called you to take? And so as we looked at these stories, we've seen that God splits rivers and he provides manna for 40 years and then provides new provision. And he makes walls fall down in his own time and his own way. And again, if I could have Joshua on the stage here tonight, and I said, Joshua, can you just let me know, are you happy or upset about the fact that you chose to trust God in every one of those times in your life? He would be like, I am so glad. I would have missed out on seeing how big my God was had I let my fear knots keep me tangled up. And so what I want you to take with you tonight, and what I want to sort of be the exclamation point on the end of this series, is this thought. Don't let your fear knots keep you from seeing how big God is. Don't let the anxiety, the stress, the worry, the things that seem so much bigger than you keep you from seeing how big God is. Take those steps of trust as God calls you to take them. And I just can't stress this enough. Be on his path for your life. Because when you and I get off that path, we lose that promise that we're going to successfully navigate life. Because as we saw last week, it's his word on our minds, our lips, and our feet directing our steps that causes us to successfully navigate life. And when we get off his path and we're over here trying to split the Nile and it's not splitting because God wants to split this Jordan over here, that's when we start doubting, God, are you really there? God, can I trust the Bible? The Bible says you split rivers. You're leaving this one in my way. It's getting deeper and faster. I'm still drowning here, Lord. And he's going, but I had you over here. Be on my path for your life. That's God's heart for every one of us in this room. And so if he's calling you to apply to college, trust him. Trust that he can handle your social anxiety. Trust that he can handle and put a group of Christians around you to keep you on the path that God has for you. Trust that he can come through and take care of the finances. If he's calling you to share your faith, trust that he can use you. Even you and I who still sin, right? Trust that even though you may not have the answer for every objection somebody might bring up, God wants to use you. And remember, you're not Jesus. You're not gonna save anybody. It's on Jesus' shoulders to save people and open up their hearts, and bring their dead hearts back to life. But he wants to use people like you and like me. There's a sin struggle in your life, and God's been calling you to to step into the Jordan and trust him to free you. Look, we're always going to struggle a little bit. We're always going to be up and down and fall short of perfection. That's why Jesus died on the cross to rescue us, right? But there should be breakthrough. There should be nothing that owns us. There should be nothing that we just can't break free of. And some of us have been stuck in this fear, not like I don't have what it takes to deal with my sin struggles. I'm afraid of it. And God wants to free you. God wants to break that wall. He wants you to see it crumble before you as you trust him in your life. And so let me ask you a couple questions. What steps do you need to take toward God today? What rivers do you need him to split for you? Might be at its fastest, its deepest, and its widest, but he can still split it. What provision do you need him to give to you? Just laying it out before God. What walls do you need him to crumble for you? And if we'll take these questions seriously, and if we will decide, I'm not going to let my fear knots keep me from seeing how big God is, then we're going to have encounters with the living God. We're going to see that he's alive and well, 
and he makes a difference in our daily life. We're going to see how big he is, and we will never regret that. I have never once regretted anything that led me to seeing how big God was. And so you can trust him. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you in just a minute as we close in prayer to bring the specific fear knots of your life to the God who loves you and ask him to start splitting some rivers and providing some manna from heaven and causing those walls to crumble. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then I would encourage you to take a step of trust today too. I'm I'm calling everybody in the room here, myself included, to a step of trust toward God. And maybe for you, this is the first step you've ever taken. And like I said earlier, the amazing thing about God, amazing thing about Jesus, is that the reason I look forward to seeing him one day, and I'm not afraid of that day, is because Jesus took away my sin. He removed my guilt and my shame. I don't fear, oh man, is God going to look at me and hold all my sin against me? He's removed that. That's why Jesus came and suffered like he did in your place and my place. And so you can have that fear not about standing before God completely removed from your life tonight as you trust him as your Savior. So if you're a follower of Jesus, God, the source of all peace, is in you. Fear not. If you're fearing navigating life, you have his word to navigate every step. And tonight we've seen that we're not going to back down in fear. We're not going to let our fear nots keep us from seeing how big our amazing God is. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you desire for us to walk in the joy and the peace and the courage and the boldness of Joshua. God, I thank you. You don't desire for us to be intimidated by the rivers that run through our lives, the provision needs and the walls that stand in our way, but that you have a plan, God, to split those rivers and to provide new ways and to cause those walls to crumble at our feet. So help us, God. Help us to be on your path. Help us not to be over trying to carve our own way and make our way across the river you never called us across. Lead us, direct us, make that so clear. But let us just be at peace, Lord. As you want to just quench the fear in our heart and our mind and lead us forward. If you're a follower of Jesus, what rivers do you need split? What provision do you need and what walls do you need God to crumble? Because today I encourage you to bring that to your loving Savior. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to put your trust in him, and I would encourage you to pray something like this just right now. Jesus, please forgive me for the sin in my life. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I put my trust in you today. I trust that you love me. I trust that you rose back from the dead and you beat the power of death and sin. God, would you show me how real you are? And would you begin to deliver me, God, from the fear knots in my life and split some rivers? Provide for me and cause some walls to crumble. In your name I pray.